All right, everybody, welcome back to the Millennial Sales Podcast, Wednesday, May 25th, episode 304. Uh, I'm Tommy Tahoe. I'm your host. This is where young salespeople come to get better at the craft. Pumped for today's episode, I got Steve Travellini in the house. He's the CRO over at Link Squares in my hometown of Boston, Massachusetts. We had a hell of a conversation, folks. He, um, he has such an interesting path coming from doing odds and ends jobs. <clears throat> He's got a really strong mindset and has gone from the path of entry-level salesperson to CRO in, you know, about 10 years, which, you know, takes most people, you know, some people are, uh, you know, stuck in one role for years and years. And so the fact that he has progressed that quickly um, is no surprise once you actually talk to him and, and hear him speak about how he did it, his mentality, how it's shifted. But he also tells some great stories from the early days of, uh, I won't ruin it, but just the frustrations that he felt, uh, the doubt, the overwhelm in the first year. We say it all the time on this podcast, how the first year of sales can be so hard. And if you can get through it, if you can get through some of the valleys, there's beautiful things on the other side, but it's really hard to get through there. So I loved his honesty uh, about some of that. Before we get to that pod and that conversation, I just want to do a quick word um, about a few things. First of all, uh, you may have seen that uh, Anthony, Natoli, and I just launched a community called The Up and Up, help salespeople to not only crush their quota, but also stay mentally healthy and fulfilled. We're doing weekly sessions where we're bringing in experts, uh, come in, we're doing live Q&A with them in a private community uh, where we're going to talk about you know, the real talk about you know, how do you actually crush quota? How do you actually get to the next level, make a ton of money, but also not lose your soul in the process, not burn out, um, stay fulfilled, get to the next level of fulfillment, find your why, all these different things that um, salespeople care about, but don't necessarily talk about with each other. So we're trying to create a space for that. So you can check that out um, on my LinkedIn or on patreon.com. But uh, I'm posting every day on LinkedIn. So I'd love if you followed me there. If you gave me a shout out, let me know what you thought of this episode uh, and then throw a subscribe wherever you're listening. So thanks for listening to that. Now let's get to my fantastic conversation with Steve Travellini. Let's go. All right, next up on the podcast, we got Steve Travellini. Steve, how are you, my man? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Tom. Yes, sir. We were just uh, talking for a second about some some uh, similarities that we have both. Uh, are you from Boston, uh, the Boston area? I know you're there now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so we're in Boston. Link Squares uh, uh, is in Boston. Uh, we're a legal tech startup uh, headquartered right in downtown. Uh, but I grew up actually in Southern New Hampshire. Okay, gotcha. Um, we went to schools in the same conference, the same small, uh, you know, tiny Northeast 10 conference. There's I've had about 300 episodes of this podcast. I think I've had one or two other people. There's like a Bentley guy that came on once, but otherwise no one has ever heard of, of Stonehill or Assumption or any of these schools for the most part. Yeah, it's a small world. I, I enjoyed my time at Assumption. I'm sure you did at Stonehill, but good schools, less known about for sure. Yeah. Um, well, there's a lot of stuff that I want to get to with what you're doing at, at Link Squares, but I, I want to kind of lead, uh, you know, with where your career started. If you go on Steve's LinkedIn, which I encourage everyone to connect with him after the show, he's got like his first job of just like 
you know, several years of these odd kind of like blue collar type jobs. So I'd love to hear, you know, when that was in your life, if that, if that was in college, if that was before, during, after, um, and then like the path to actually getting into, uh, I think it was staffing. That was kind of like your first foray in sales. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, started in high school to, to answer that. Started working in high yeah. school and uh, did everything from washing dishes uh, uh, at a restaurant, um, a large restaurant. So a lot of dishes uh, uh, to building rock walls, uh, uh, mortarless uh, rock walls on like hot summer days, wheelbarrows full of rocks and, and all kinds of good stuff um, to landscaping and summers doing painting. And if you haven't painted with like oil paints in like a dorm room in the height of summer, uh, uh, you don't know what being lightheaded uh, really means. Uh, uh, but yeah, so so I did I did all of all, all of those things uh, uh, alongside some internships in college, uh, where I started to experiment a bit more with sales, uh, uh, and that was kind of interesting. Definitely a bumpy start for my sales career and a couple of those internships. Um, but then I got into staffing, uh, 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 which. To this day, you know, that's my BDR days uh, uh, doing staffing. Uh, that's really where I cut my teeth. Uh, and to this day, I think that staffing services is probably one of the hardest things to sell because your product can say no, even if you did a great job, right? Someone can turn mm. down an offer. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a little bit of the beginning of my career. Happy to go deeper in any area. Yeah, I'd love to stick a little bit with kind of the, the different jobs that you had before staffing. You know, I think we're starting to see a huge... Um, you know, uh, rush of folks come into tech sales and people with unique backgrounds, whether they were a teacher, whether they were a waiter or waitress, yeah. um, you know, I've seen a lot of different odd, odd jobs, bartender, whatever it may be. Um, how do you feel like some of those jobs, like washing dishes, uh, it may not seem like it to someone on the outside, but how do you kind of relate to that setting the work ethic and maybe the mindset that it took to be successful in sales? Yeah. So washing dishes, uh, uh, I think is, you know, there's a clear parallel uh, uh, in, in some cases to, to sales. Uh, um, so I had to get my foot in to the restaurant. And there was basically two places that you could get your foot into the restaurant. It was either as a server, uh, not a waiter, right? A server running a food runner, right? Or you could, you know, wash dishes or do something like that, or a line cook, uh, uh, you know, operate the fry later. Um, I just looked at how much they were paying. <laughs> and uh, uh, the least glamorous of, of all of them, the dishwashing job, and I would argue, you know, the hardest uh, uh, to uh, was paying the most. Um, so early in my, uh, uh, you know, career, uh, uh, I, I, I found that I had an orientation to working harder, wanting to see the outputs of my hard work, uh, uh, being willing to do a dirty job uh, uh, in order to get a better outcome. Um, and I think that, you know, at Link Squares, we see it every day. We see people that come from lobster boats being in Boston. We've seen people that have switched careers from accountants coming in uh, uh, to sales, teachers, you name it. All great career paths, all great for a lot of people, but there's one unifying trait that I think I had as a dishwasher that all those people have. Uh, and it's basically that they want to see uh, uh, the return on their work. The harder they work, the more uh, 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 they make. Uh, um, so, so that's kind of how I see it coming together. How would you coach or, or what have you seen from folks that have actually made it through the gates into link squares? Cause it's, it seems like an intimidating thought of like, you know, I'm a, I'm a lobster, uh, you know, lobster. I don't even lobster man or lobster woman. Um, yeah. and I want to get into tech sales. It feels like a stretch for them probably. 
and I'm, I'm working with some folks, some friends that are in all these various industries and they're like, Hey, I want to get into tech sales. Like, how would you advise them to craft their story to make it, you know, sound like, Hey, the, you know, I'm actually building the skills that I don't know how to cold call yet, but I do have like the work ethic and the, in the attitude that's going to help me succeed. Yeah, so so I would say first and foremost, like be be realistic about about the search that you're about to undertake, right? There's going to be a lot of hiring managers that are going to be looking for certain bullets and certain amount of years uh, 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 on a resume, right? I'm not one of them, right? But if you did come head to head with somebody that is going to be seeing, do you have three to five years closing experience in tech sales, in order to get an entry level job in tech sales, uh, uh, you know you're not going to you're not going to fare well uh, with that population, and that's fine, right? So don't let that get you down. Don't let that slow you down in your search. Keep pushing until you find somebody that actually is looking for uh, uh, the values that you have. Someone that's looking for your personality, your work ethic, your desire, your goals, your potential, right? Uh, uh, look for someone that wants to 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 take that and teach you, right? Uh, uh, if you if you have the right stuff and the right motivations, the right desires. The hiring manager is going to jump uh, out of their seat for you, despite the lack of "quote unquote" experience. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. Um, so you did those jobs and, and you got into staffing after college. Why did you choose staffing? Was it just like that's the job that you could get and it was paying the most, or um, was there a specific reason that interested you? Yeah. Uh, it didn't interest me, uh, 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 like particularly more than than tech sales or, or other areas. Uh, uh, it was 2011. So we were still, you know, kind of in that post 2008 economy. Um, and I did apply to a lot of tech positions. I applied to the New England Patriots. I applied for, for ad sales. I applied to, to, to a number of different places. Uh, staffing was the place that called me back. And uh, they, they gave me a shot despite not having that experience. I had a number of conversations with recruiters and different people and they didn't give me that shot. Um, and that was really all I needed. That's what, that was all I was looking for. And um, you know, you can't have a big ego uh, uh, about you know, the glamorous story that you think you need to create for yourself. You just need to get your foot in somewhere, put your heart and soul into it. And then the rest of the things you know, people will regret forever not giving you that chance if you if you take advantage of the right opportunity. Mm. And when you joined there, uh, was it like because you had built up this base of work ethic? Was it you were just hitting lights out from the beginning? Did you struggle and fall on your face a lot? Like what were the first uh, first few months? What did that look like? Yeah, so uh, uh, I struggled. I think I think I think that's the story for just about everybody uh, in sales. And if they tell you anything different, they're lying. Um, you know, you can get lucky early, and that feels good. Uh, I think uh, learning through failure early helps build up the resilience needed for longer term success and more consistency, which is super important in sales. Um, so at the Davis companies, which is the company that I worked at, shout out to the Davis uh, family, a, a great group of people. Uh, thank you again uh, 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 for the opportunity. Uh, it was lots of cold calls. I was working these temporary positions. So it was like, you know, part-time or night shift machinists, uh, uh, things like that. It was really blue collar, kind of like tough jobs. And finding these people and getting their phone numbers was 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 difficult. And, um, you know, getting, so, so basically how, how re recruitment works uh, uh, there's the candidate side, which is finding the job seekers. There's the uh, uh, customer side, which is 
you know, the people that are hiring for the jobs. Some places do uh, full desk, like end-to-end -end sales. Mm -hmm. uh, 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 some people do, you know, they break it out where there's recruiters and there's account managers. You can think about that as a BDR and an AE. So I was in this BDR role, cold calling all day long to these uh, uh, machinists. And I had tons of interviews happening. I had several job offers being made, but my product, even though the customer wanted to buy it, my product, which was the machinist, the part-time night shift machinist, uh, would say, no, I don't want that job. It's paying a dollar uh, uh, less per hour than I'm looking for, this or that. And I remember driving home uh, 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 one night, uh, this was in the first six months out of college, I was still living with my parents. And I was, I was just so frustrated that I was crying. Uh, I had this really beat up uh, uh, Honda Civic and I just was like punching the ceiling, like crying. <laughs> and it was like this like real tribal, like, you know, uh, uh, reaction. It was a real, uh, uh, you know, visceral thing. And um, I knew I wanted it then, uh, but I, I, I was not convinced I was gonna be successful. Right. If if you if you want it bad enough where you're where you're gonna cry about it, right? Uh, 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 you know, there's something there, right? But but uh, I certainly didn't see the forest through the trees yet. I was super green, and um, the best thing I did was drive back in tomorrow and keep pushing. Closed my first deal uh, probably like a week or or two later. Got my first placement, and uh, from there the rest was history. I was just off and running, and I was hooked. So I want to focus on that moment because anyone that's been in sales for a while, I think everyone in the first year in particular of sales probably has a moment somewhat like that where, you know, you want to potentially give up, you're frustrated, you're, you're pissed off, you're upset, you're crying, whatever it might be. Um, and a lot of folks choose that as a point to quit or give up or mentally kind of check out and say, I want to get into something else. Maybe sales isn't right for me. And the people that are in your position um, you know, as a CRO of a, of a really successful company, they pushed through that and they, they found a way to succeed. So I'm curious, like, was there, you get into the office the next day, like, do you talk with your boss? Do you just have this mindset shift? Do you just, you figured something out, like you had to get it out of your system and then you were clear, like what, what was kind of like the way that you flipped the switch, started selling deals and then, you know, got on a, on a tear from there. Yeah. I wish I had a real macho inspirational uh, <laughs> approach. Um, but I called my mom okay. and, and, uh, she heard me vent about all the things that I was doing, how hard I was working and all of it. And, and, uh, she was basically like, well, it sounds like you're doing all the right things, right? Which I was, I was doing all the right leading indicators. Sounds like you've had a, a few bad beats, right? Which, which, which I did. And she was like, you just need to keep going, right? It's going to work out. Like you got to believe you got to have faith. Right. And I think that's the big difference is uh, um, a, a sales mentor uh, of mine later uh, uh, put it put it beautifully, right? Like we all have these moments where we have to decide to engage or disengage, right? Those are the moments where, where we're being tested the most. And I think what my mom reminded me is like, you're already doing the work, right? So why, why pull off the gas? Like why stop now? Like just keep going, right? Uh, 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 and, and, and it'll break through for you. Um, and I think that's a fundamental uh, uh, decision that we all have to make at different stages of our career, and it never ends. It, it's something that I'm faced with still today as the CRO of a company. Um, there are times where I want to, you know, uh, quit, give up, and 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 I have doubts. And I kind of think back to all of these other times where making that decision to engage versus disengage have served me well. 
And that's like an echo throughout my history that then reminds me of like who you are, who's the person that got through all that hard stuff. Getting through the BDR gig is just as hard as getting through your first VP of sales gig. They're both incredibly challenging in their own unique ways. But those unifying traits of you know optimism, keeping going uh, uh, are the things that I think make all of the difference versus people that, you know, get to where I'm at professionally or personally even, uh, uh, you know, that type of decision to engage or disengage kind of bleeds through all areas of life. And uh, it's an important one. And I'm glad I had my mom to remind me of that. <laughs> shout out, shout out to Steve's mom. Um, shout out mom. <laughs> she, she's, she's a great saleswoman in her own right. Uh, uh, after raising uh, four kids, doing the stay at home mom thing, uh, uh, she got back into the game. She was actually in staffing. So, so there was a lot of coaching and help that I got from her in the early days. Uh, and now she's a VP at state street. So, uh, wow. uh, after taking like a 10 year hiatus from the workforce, she came back, uh, uh, with a full head of fury and passion and, 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 you know, really put her name on the map. So super proud of her. And when she gives you advice, you listen. That's bad. We need to have Steve's mom on the podcast. next. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Um, yeah, what you're talking about as, um, you know, saying that, you know, your first VP of sales gig is as hard as your first BDR gig. And, you know, you always kind of have those periods of, of doubt and, and times where you want to quit. Reminds me of, I'm not sure if you've read or listened to anything from David Goggins, but he has this concept of like the cookie jar where it's like you have these, you know, mental kind of like Rolodex of hard things that you've done, whether it be professional or personal, so that when you find yourself kind of in the middle of the shit, so I know I'm remember that time that I did this thing. Remember that time that I ran that half marathon, that I crushed my BDR job, that I, you know, excelled in that really hard class, whatever it might be. Um, and it kind of gives you the, the confidence reminding you like, no, I can do hard things. And this is just another one of those hard things that I can get through and, and push through. I think that's a really powerful mental concept for people to, to grasp. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a huge fan of Goggins. He's I, yeah. very intense. <laughs> I, I, I love his mentality. Uh, um, and uh, I'd be lying if I said I didn't watch a few of his videos here and there when I need to pick me up. Uh, yeah. Definitely an inspirational guy. I'd love to meet him someday. Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, so I'd love to hear. So you, you are in staffing. You kind of you start figuring it out after that six-month point. You start putting some placements together. Um, what was the transition to tech and, and how did that all happen for you? Yeah, so, so you know, I was about four years in uh, to the journey with the Davis companies. I had helped open a new territory, which was, you know, incredibly entrepreneurial in nature. I had to put a game plan together. I then was in that AE seat, more on the account management side, put a territory plan together, built a pipeline, did all the prospecting, all the cold calling, all that stuff, and built up a book of business that justified opening an office hiring full-time employees. And I was doing all this, uh, uh, you know, fairly early in my career. And I was kind of hooked on, on this idea of building things and growth. And I was looking around at, at you know, different uh, 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 industries, segments, and I revisited the New England Patriots. And, and, and uh, then I was looking at tech and didn't know if, if I had to pick my passion, which is like sports. I played football in college at Assumption, uh, real love of the game type of thing. And, and I, I, I was a linebacker, uh, probably no surprise to people that know me. Um, and uh, uh, so I was, I was trying to decide, did I need to be in something that like was a part of my personal life to be happy uh, uh, or, or, you know, tech, which I was far less interested in 
uh, personally, uh, 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 would I be able to get the challenges uh, 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 from it and the growth from it that would also make me happy in like a different way. And after weighing those two worlds, I realized the building, that entrepreneurial nature, the fast pace uh, 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 was very much a, a core tenant of the tech sales space. I saw people that were vice presidents that were, you know, 30 years old. And I looked at that and my eyes, like, you know, just big as, as saucers, like that is just totally different than coming from an incredibly strong uh, 30 year old family operated business where, you know, the folks in, in those seats were just much more tenured. And uh, I saw that as a real uh, uh, alignment with my preferences. And what I learned at Davis was I liked moving fast and doing things that were very innovative. Uh, uh, and I saw all of that in tech. So so, so then I narrowed in on tech and uh, looked at a whole bunch of different companies and ended up uh, picking a good one. Yeah, um, that's that's an interesting thought because a lot of people, you know, hear the advice of, of, you know, follow your passion and things like that. And I think there's a lot of different perspectives on that. But I, I've always felt like you can find you know, parts, if you can find parts of what you're passionate about in your job, you know, I, you know, I love the Patriots too. I'm a Boston sports fan. So I, in theory, love to work for them. And I played sports growing up and in college, but, you know, you can still use the, the competitive, you know, kind of factor that is within you in sales and a lot of things like that, or, you know, the entrepreneurial mindset, and you can bring that to a whole different profession. And, you know, you can consider yourself uh, kind of like still an athlete, even though you're not, you know, doing it with your, your body, you're doing it with your mind and with your communication skills. So I think right. that's, that's something for folks to, to think about too. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think sometimes uh, uh, people uh, lose that, uh, that loving feeling, so to speak, the passion, like the, mm. the fire that burns inside that, that really is aligned only with their, you know, so-called personal interests, right? Um, I guess the good news and the bad news about being a football player is that when it ends in college, the best that you're going to get ever, ever close to that again uh, is flag. And it's just not the same, right? Yeah. You can golf forever. You can play tennis forever. You can, uh, uh, you know, be in men's baseball, it's fast pitch and it's, you know, and your body can probably handle it too, to some degree. Right. Yeah. Um, but with football, it's kind of over. Right. Uh, uh, and, and, and a lot of people, uh, uh, and, 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 you know, I guess a lot of people think about that in different ways, if they're, if, if they've been in anything, whether it's music at a high level or, you know, theater, high level, uh, sports, high level, uh, uh, various different clubs that kind of have like an associated timeline with it, where it's, you know, time to grow up after. Right. Um, what I think is, is, a, a trait that a lot of great folks in business have is that they learn to find that fire to your point that passion the similarities uh in their professional life right mm -hmm. they learn to they learn that like the things that make them who they are uh those 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 traits uh, um are just as much of their their person uh, uh as anything else uh it's not the thing that they're not no longer doing it's the energy that they bring to what they are doing now right so so uh, uh, yeah, I totally agree with you. You got to find the similarities, and you can't you can't give up that that commitment, that drive, that passion that people uh, have earlier, right? Like that fun that comes with pursuing something with your full energy versus looking at something as just a job. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And um, you know, something I'm curious about is 
You mentioned um, like 2010, 11, I think was when you were looking for staffing. You were there for four years. Um, and so you get into tech, you correct me if I'm, if I'm off on the timeline, but like in the 2014-ish range, yeah, um, right. you had some sales experience. And now we're in 2022 and you're the CRO of uh, a company that just landed 100 mil as a Series C funding and it's grown through the roof. Um, I know a lot of people that are, have been you know, frontline managers for 10 years. Um, and you know, you went from getting into tech to CRO in you know seven or eight years, and yeah, you had a few years of of sales background, but um, you know, not in tech. So I think a lot of people would be curious, like, well, how the hell did you do that? And I think there's there's a skill to getting you know climbing through the ranks and thinking differently in order to you know for folks to see you as being prepared for the next level. I'd love to hear you talk about that for a few minutes. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting one. And, and uh, I think the thing that I've prioritized time and time again, are picking leaders and people that I'm aligned with. Mm. So, so when I was making that shift out of the uh, Davis companies out of the staffing world and into tech, it's looking at a lot of different opportunities. Um, but the but the company I chose was more of a choosing of an individual or a group of individuals that I felt uh, uh, were were most uh, um, aligned with my uh, uh, values, my passion, the things the things that I uh, uh, think matter. Right. Uh, um, so how do you learn that? Well, in the interview process, you're interviewing a company, and and as as I'm interviewing a number of these tech companies. The thing that stood out to me was there was this group of people that believed like the real opportunity as a leader was to teach and to bring people along. The term that one of my mentors, uh, Chris Essler, uh, shout out to Chris, uh, used in the early days was it's my job to throw the rope back over. You know, it's your job to go all in. Uh, uh, to bring the passion, to do the, to, to take these teachings and and really try and apply them every single day. Uh, uh, and if you do that, you'll be able to do what I've done, right? Like the ultimate, the ultimate gift, the ultimate uh, achievement for Chris as the leader was building more leaders like him fast or even faster than he got there. And he was someone in his early 30s who was in that, you know, third uh, uh, line management role that I really looked at. I was like, man, if I could ever get there, that would be amazing. So it's like surround yourself with people who have done what you want to do. Uh, uh, you know, if you want to work for 20 years at a company uh, and climb up, you know, the ranks of a Fortune 50 or a Fortune 100, align yourself with leadership that's done it, right? If you want to become a uh, executive uh, within five to 10 years uh, of putting in the work day after day after day, right? Align yourself with someone that's done it. Uh, um, so that was step one. That was that was that was my decision making criteria. Was these people have done what I want to do. They think similarly to me. They they believe that uh, uh, hard work should be rewarded. Uh, that consistent uh, uh, challenges, new challenges, are what's exciting. Doing the same thing over and over and over again, the same one year of experience five or ten times over, uh, uh, while you'll gain uh, uh, more mastery at that thing. These folks that I was interviewing with, some some. Uh, were from that school and were incredible at, at their jobs. And, and, and that's the path, that was the path for them. The path for me was 
uh, hey, you're gonna put in a year or two real hard work uh, uh, in an account executive desk and you might get a shot to be a team lead. And if you do that, you're gonna put in another year or two and you might get a shot to be a manager. And if you do that, you put another year or two, and you might be a director or a VP and so on and so forth. And hey, listen, in the next eight to 10 years, you'll be a VP of sales if you do these things this way, because this is what I've done, right? So it's more compelling uh, when someone tells you, this is what I've done, and they kind of lay out uh, uh, the roadmap for you. And you can tell authentically that they're invested in, in helping you navigate that. Um, that was uh, uh, something that I was skeptical uh, uh, of early, because it sounds like a lot. It sounds like a lot of over-promising. Uh, um, but uh, what I found in reality uh, uh, was that, you know, someone with that type of track record, like Chris's, uh, uh, he means it when he says it. And he wouldn't have so much success time and time again. Uh, uh, and he wouldn't have been able to move so quickly in his career if he didn't know how to do it, right? Um, it's not just dumb luck. So, so aligning myself with people like that uh, early in my career made a huge, huge difference. Yeah, I love that advice. And, you know, to stick on link squares for a minute, I was reading an article um, that you had written around, you know, the great resignation and everything that's going on right now. And, you know, there's a few things that stood out to me. One was, um, you know, you, you mentioned, I'm paraphrasing, but the best way to retain, you know, to find new talent is to make sure you're taking care of the people that you have today uh, and making sure that they're, they're happy and fulfilled. And, and one way that you, it sounds like you do that is through, you know, psychology and having some sort of performance psychologist either on staff or on retainer or coming in once in a while to, to talk through different mindset things. Like, I'd love to hear you talk about that because that's, really prevalent now in, in sports within the last like five to 10 years. I feel like every major sports team has that. I've heard of a few companies start to do that, but it's definitely not widespread. And so I'd love to hear you talk about it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so to the great resignation point, um, I often say, hey, it's a great opportunity, right? Uh, I'm an eternal optimist, right? I understand uh, uh, what's happening out there and how serious it is. And I think that all leaders need to look at something uh, like the great resignation and look for where the learnings are, right? And I like what I'm seeing is people are undervalued. They feel like they're they're not being invested in. They feel like the companies that they work for for don't care. They're not seeing uh, uh, the results of their efforts uh, uh, give them the financial or personal gains that they're looking for out of a job. They're not getting fulfillment. Uh, um, and when you boil it down, there's many different ways uh, uh, to offer that to candidates and not every company is going to be the right fit for every candidate. But for the types of folks uh, that you're looking to attract, uh, uh, you need to make sure that you have uh, internally inside the four walls of your business, uh, the strength of the culture and the, and the whole package that they're looking for out there in the market, but you better have it for your team. Um, and uh, we focus uh, uh, relentlessly on trying to make sure that we have Competitive pay, competitive benefits, transparent pay, transparent uh, 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 equity, all of it uh, uh, for all employees. So if you're at Link Squares, there's no negotiating uh, uh, for a salary. Uh, there's no negotiating for a better comp plan. Everybody at every level with the same title has the same salary, the same comp plan. And that's critically important. And the comp plans themselves reward uh, performance. Uh, uh, we have we have account executives who've been working here for 
just a year who can hit so much accelerator in a one quarter, not like end of the year, things like that, where they can afford a down payment for a condo or a house. Right. And um, it's powerful. It's powerful. Uh, 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 and it's important. I would never, uh, as a leader, build a comp plan uh, uh, or a salary or, or org chart structure that I wouldn't personally be like inspired to sign up for. So I always try and put like my AE hat on when I signed up, when I found Chris Essler and I heard, you know, this story about throwing the rope back over, helping people truly get ahead. Uh, uh, and I try and hold myself accountable every single day to living uh, uh, those values that I was preached. And, and, and even in some cases, you know, taking it further. A point of taking it further is this, you know, mindset coaching work that we do. To your point, I mean, this is known. It's known everywhere that that you know there's there's the mind, there's the body, there's a connection between the two, and there's no difference in sales. You need to be able to react quickly, just like you need to be able to react quickly in sports, and you need to be able to handle pressure and handle uh, uh, those moments when when the whole deal or the whole game is on the line, um, and you need to be able to handle the, the losses despite best efforts. Uh, uh, I need to be able to come back from that stronger, better than, than, than before. Um, and every single uh, uh, place that I've worked has preached, you know, in sales to be successful, you need to balance the highs and the lows, balance the highs and the lows. The best people on this team are the ones that can balance the highs and the lows. And how I learned it was kind of attaching myself to some of those folks to learn, like, how do they think? What are they doing that's making them so consistent and, and, and allowing them to bounce back from a bad, a bad break where they lost a deal or something like that? And, uh, uh, you know, there wasn't formal training. Uh, 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 so at Ling Squares, especially during the pandemic, you know, there was so much adversity. Everyone was trying so hard, but the orders just weren't coming in in the same way. And what I wanted was for people to still believe in themselves, despite all of these external pressures. And I started thinking about, you know, uh, uh, how do people do it in other industries? And, uh, uh, you know, obviously sports direct parallel uh, in many ways, uh, uh, I think, to sales. Uh, and I don't think that's a negative thing. Uh, uh, there are many other parallels as well. But uh, uh, I was thinking about how they use sports psychologists. I like to show billions and I was like, okay, these people are so high pressure and they have this yeah. like great, like, you know, a uh, uh, therapist that like helps get them through it. And I started thinking, you know, what if we brought that to our team to teach them how to deal with these lows that we're all feeling right now and, and, and to get back into a mindset of like, we're winners, despite all of these things that are telling us we're not, that are out of our control. So we invested in a neuroscientist, uh, a professional mindset coach, coaches our team on a weekly basis. Uh, uh, specifically, uh, uh, helping people understand not uh, just the you know the fuzzy immaterial things of mindset like the subconscious, but really the science of how the brain works, the chemicals, you know, the dopamine, uh, 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 all of it. Um, and we found uh, it's been incredibly impactful for a lot of people. And we found that uh, uh, we've been able to uh, increase performance and consistency across our reps. And uh, uh, we've uh, been able to lower our turnover, which is really important and a part of uh, 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 you know, the great resignation as people leaving. We've been able to, we've been able to re uh, reduce burnout is what I think uh, through having a mindset coach that keeps people you know, even. And we've been able to attract a lot of people on the market that are looking for that because their last place just didn't care about how they felt on a day-to-day -day basis 
We do. Uh, uh, and I think that that's going to be standard playbook for all sales leaders and business leaders five, 10 years from now. Uh, uh, it's just going to be par for the course. People are going to expect that you're going to invest in their psychology and their mindset just as much as their skill set. Um, and businesses are going to put dollars behind it, in my opinion, because they're going to see the real, the real outcomes. The ROI is higher performance, lower turnover. Uh, um, we don't have a talent problem at Link Squares. We don't have a we, we don't have a problem getting people in the door, right? Because we're creating this environment uh, uh, where people want to be. We don't have a problem with people leaving either for other positions because they're just not seeing the strength of what we've put together, uh, 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 and they're not seeing that you know care that we have here uh, uh, elsewhere. So, I love it. I mean, I I am a firm believer ever since I learned what you know like neuroplasticity and growth mindset and all these different ways your brain can change. You know, it's, it's really mind blowing stuff. And it's, it's, uh, it's very, it's not just like the woo woo, you know, you believe in it and you can achieve it. Like there's some, there's a lot of real science behind it um, that are helping people in all professions, you know, get to the, you know, the top level. So I, I appreciate that, you know, you and, you know, I, I can name maybe one other company. Um, I know some folks that, I don't know if you know, uh, Greenlight Guru, they're in Indianapolis. Uh, they have a mindset yeah. coach. I don't think I'm outing them by saying that. Um, Same coach. They, oh, is Same it? Coach. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Kevin yeah. Bailey at Dream Fuel. Yeah. Shout out to Dream yeah. Fuel. They're awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's, yeah, that's yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah. They're phenomenal. And and, and Kevin, Kevin, uh, uh, you know, reminds me that like one of my advantages earlier in my career from his perception as a professional mindset coach is like this programming that I had earlier in my life. Uh, uh, I give my mom a shout out. So I'll give my dad a shout out. My dad always preached, you know, thoughts, feelings, actions, right. And, and how they're intertwined. Uh, 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 and how you can achieve and make an influence on the world around you versus the world influencing you, right? Uh, um, and you have to stay positive. You have to believe all of these things, but you have to work, right? So, 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 uh, uh, yeah, Kevin Bailey, uh, uh, you know, he was kind of interviewing me. Where did your mindset come from, Steve? Like, you didn't have a professional mindset coach before, and it's like, hey, I was fortunate enough to have a dad that taught me this stuff. Mm, that's great. Shout out to Kevin Bailey. Um, the one thing I, I want to get to before we get to uh, the rapid fires with you is you talked yeah. about transparency in the, um, you know, the comp process and the equity and the recruiting process. And one of the reasons that you caught my attention was because you uh, are, are maybe the only CRO that I see posting on LinkedIn jobs uh, with their OTE and with like the very specifics in a post um, and just putting that out there. And, and as a, as an AE, um, that has, you know, I've worked at three different companies and, you know, was in the process in 2020 looking for a new gig. Like I didn't see that anywhere. And so I'm curious, like any thoughts behind like the kind of aggressive uh, approach, not in a bad way, but just like being upfront about it. Um, and then also being upfront about it. I think that everyone's in office uh, in Boston, so you're not hiring remote. So I'd love to just hear a quick take on, um, you know, any expansion on that thought. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I think it's important in sales, and I think it's important as a leader to be transparent. Yeah. Um, I think it's important to talk pricing in sales early and often. Uh, uh, some people like to wait to the very end uh, uh, during the big close. <laughs> uh, um, not my style. Um, I think that you're going to attract more people that that are the right fit, both in a sales process and in a candidate recruitment process, if you're transparent about what it is, how much it costs or how much it pays from the very beginning with any kind of important caveats, like for our sales team, uh, we do have a, a, a large 
uh, mid-market motion, where we're hiring a lot of people at the same time. Uh, uh, you know, our sales team has quadrupled over the past year. The decision for our sales team, I oversee uh, sales and customer success and revenue operations, for our sales team is to be in the office. The cold calling, the, the, the qualification calls, discovery calls, the demos, all of this coaching, we feel uh, 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 there's a distinct advantage to having all of those uh, folks uh, in the room learning quickly together, right? Now, with that being said, we also recognize we're losing out on like amazing candidates that, that might be remote. Uh, for now, uh, 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 we're understanding the positives and, and the negatives in our mid-market inside sales motion, and we're, and we're making that choice. So we got to be very transparent about what we're doing with folks in the market so that from the beginning, we're not wasting their time, right? I don't yeah. want to waste, I don't want to waste someone's time who isn't looking for what we have, because here's what I found. There are a ton of people that are looking for exactly what we have, right? And there's a ton of companies offering a, a, a totally different approach for our, you know, than what we offer for our account executives. And, and for the people that, that aren't a fit for what we're doing here, they're going to be a great fit for those companies. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Now, yeah. on, the, on the customer success side, we're hybrid, right? And uh, that's the decision that their leader, Jess, who's amazing, uh, has decided is the best fit for that team and, and how they're putting things together. And that's great. Uh, we have an enterprise sales segment that's emerging. I would imagine that the, the model is going to shift and change depending upon the function. And at Link Squares, we have uh, uh, within the revenue organization, folks that focus on implementation that are within customer success are almost fully remote. Uh, uh, and uh, I think it's it's a, a classic, uh, uh, you know, not one size is going to you know fit all. Uh, uh, and uh, not one time is going to fit all either, right? Everything has to be in constant evolution. What's right now might not be right tomorrow. But what needs to be consistent throughout all of it is transparency. Uh, I remember earlier in my career, I found out that another account executive who is very talented, very good at his job, uh, uh, I was keeping pace on billings, bookings, the whole thing. And I found out that after about a year there, he had been making about $15,000 more in his salary than, than me. And I just felt so like slighted by that. Uh, yeah. uh, and I just feel like, and, and there was no slighting that was intended by management, right? Maybe he negotiated better, right? Yeah. I, you know, it, it's like it's like things like that. And, and I just want to take that element out uh, of the job search. This is what it pays. You don't have to question whether, you know, this person or that person is making more than you because they negotiated a bit better. I just feel like there's, you know, a toxicity and an angst that that can breed and it can turn teammates against each other. It can make one person feel like a negative feeling towards somebody else. Uh, uh, it, that just never needs to occur, right? Um, so I don't think what I'm doing is aggressive. I look, at, I look at it as being efficient, trying to get people the information as fast as possible so that they know what, what this place is, what it isn't, what the job is, what it isn't, what it pays, what it doesn't, uh, uh, and uh, save everybody a lot of time. Yeah, totally. And I meant aggressive in, in a positive light, just for, for the record. Um, I, I know, I know, but it's, but it's interesting, right? These are sensitive topics. Yeah. Like yeah. There, there are all types of folks that say you should do it this way. You shouldn't do it that way. And um, at the end of the day, uh, uh, I had a breakthrough in my leadership style when I embraced just being who I was, mm. right? And I am a little aggressive. <laughs> I would hope in a good way. Right. Uh, earlier in my management career, when I was my first time being a frontline manager and stuff like that, 
I thought I had to be, you know, maybe somebody else, right? Or, 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 or different things like that. So for, for listeners that are tuning in that are in management positions, it's like authenticity is key. Transparency is key. Be yourself with your team. Give them the information that they need, that they deserve. And then you're going to find it's really effective. People really buy into that. Um, and, and uh, you know, for better or for worse. Yeah, I love it. Um, Steve, I'm going to hit you with a couple rapid fires before I let you go. Um, first up, we're big learners on this podcast. Uh, I'm not sure uh, if you're a reader or not, but if you are, I'd love to hear any books that have had a, a big impact on you in your career or you as a person. Uh, so many books I like to read. Uh, I'm not digesting one a week, uh, 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 but I would say Malcolm Gladwell, uh, Outliers, uh, uh, makes a phenomenal case that none of us are truly special. We all have distinct uh, uh, advantages. Uh, the greats, the Steve Jobs, the Bill Gates, all of them, they had environmental factors that uh, allowed them to be incredibly successful. Uh, uh, I realized as a CRO, as fast as I got here, there were certain environmental factors that I had that positioned me uh, to be where I'm at. I think like evolution of SaaS and tech and coming in and not having a ton of those jobs be available, cut my teeth and be able to quickly move into the management seats. There's not a lot of people that have a lot of experience. And I think that just simply at the time that I entered the, 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 uh, the job market from a Malcolm Gladwell perspective has given me a huge advantage, helps keep me humble. Yeah, that's a great book. Um, I'm curious, other ways that you might learn if you're a, a podcast guy, if you're into blogs or newsletters or LinkedIn or uh, anything else, any any other type of uh, learning that you've been getting into recently or that you're hot on? Uh, yeah, so uh, um, I love uh, learning about the industry that I'm in. I love learning about SaaS. Uh, I like uh, uh, trying to go up a level and follow the content that the CEOs and folks digest. Uh, uh, Saster is particularly great. Uh, Jason Lemkin is phenomenal. The insights that he has helped me do a better job at what I do. Uh, uh, so I love following that stuff. Yeah, agreed on that. Um, what goes on uh, in the Steve Tra Tra excuse me, Tra Travellini? I knew I was going to mess that up. Uh, headphones from a music perspective. Oh, I love I love all kinds of stuff. Uh, uh, hip hop, uh, classic rock. Uh, uh, house music. Uh, uh, I really, I, I can't even get into some country. Uh, but uh, what's going on in in my headphones most recently, uh, and probably most frequently is Van Morrison. I love uh, right. Van Morrison's Caravan uh, and Van Morrison's Dweller on a Threshold. Top two songs. Love Same it. Artist. Uh, love <laughs> it. <laughs> um, what's something that you do to uh, recharge outside of the office that, that you know, kind of helps you recharge the batteries and get ready to go the next day or the next week? Spend time with my family. I've got a great uh, uh, local family. Uh, uh, my wife, Julia, uh, I've, I, I have uh, a daughter, Gemma, uh, and I have three siblings. And, and we call ourselves the Sibs and Sigs, the siblings and significant others. And almost every weekend, <laughs> you'll catch us hanging out together. And, and uh, it's always a great time. Uh, uh, so spending time with all of them is, is most cherished stuff that I do and, and helps me uh, keep pushing at work. I love it. Um, all right. One of the last ones for you. Who would you want to see come next on the Millennial Sales Podcast? Uh, uh, that's, a, that's a good one. Um, I would say uh, Ben Solari from Jellyfish, if you haven't had him yet. No, I do not know Ben. He's a great, he's a great up and coming uh, Boston sales leader, uh, VP of sales at Jellyfish, doing some great stuff uh, uh, with that team. Great sales team too, uh, uh, local. 
Love it. Ben, you're on my prospecting list. Um, Steve, before I let you go, uh, I want to give you a moment to just uh, give yourself a shout out. Like first, I'll do it for you. Um, seems like Link Squares is, is blowing through the roof. I would highly recommend folks follow you on LinkedIn. Uh, seems like you're hiring quite a bit as well for the folks that are out there in, in Boston listening to this. So I'll give you a minute just to kind of talk about anything like that. Yeah, uh, uh, sales, customer success, operations. Uh, uh, we're hiring for it all. Uh, uh, we have a wonderful team, wonderful culture. Uh, if you want to join the sales team, it's likely going to be an office. Uh, uh, if you're looking for a CS role, we've got a whole bunch open. Uh, it'll be more hybrid, but still be uh, uh, commutable to, to the city for you know a day or two a week. Uh, uh, that'd be ideal. Um, reach on out on LinkedIn. I, I respond to everybody that shoots me a you know a DM, and uh, we'll get you right in process and help you you know cut the line of the. Uh, applicant tracking uh, uh, inbox, which we do a good job keeping up with, but but I would love to hear from you uh, directly as to why you think you might be a good fit. Or if any of this resonated with you, uh, uh, you know, let me know why. And uh, that'd be a great place to start our conversation. Cool. Steve, I appreciate you coming on, man. Tom, I really appreciate it. I'm a big fan of what you're doing and uh, looking forward to connecting with you again in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for checking out that episode, start of the year. Let's kick some ass. Again, one of my goals for this show is to get as many subscribers uh, wherever you're listening here uh, on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, et cetera. Subscribe, leave a review, and then hit me up on uh, LinkedIn, Tom Alemo, uh, or any of my other socials at Tommy Tahoe. Look forward to connecting with you there. Peace.